Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Transit Authority, the official podcast of the American Public Transportation Association. My name is Petra Millette, and I am APTA's Vice President, Strategic and International Programs. We have a great program for you today in honor of Women's History Month. Our guest is India Birdsong, the CEO and General Manager of the Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority, better known as RTA. India joined RTA in September 2019 as its CEO and brings nearly 15 years experience working in positions of increasing responsibility in the transit industry. She began her career in 2006 when she joined the Chicago Transit Authority. In 2016, she was appointed Chief Operating Officer of WeGo Public Transit in Nashville, where she served until coming to Cleveland. India, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very pleased to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's clear from my introduction that you have already had a very impressive career, and that has led you to the leadership position you are in now. Could you talk a little bit more about your pathway to leadership? What has mattered most in terms of the people you have met along the way and the opportunities that you have received? So uh, again, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, This is really just an honor to be part of this podcast. It's interesting to hear someone talk about yourself, right? Uh, I think it's always a little odd to hear your your own path. It really has gone by so fast. And 15 years is really just baby steps, I think, in the transit industry. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with giants in the industry that have 30 and 45 and 50 years. So I really feel like I'm just starting out. To be able to have achieved a, a CEO position within 15 years or so in transit is really something that I'm proud of. And I also, I want to say that I think it's important that this is happening at the midpoint, right, of of my career and not necessarily on the tail end. Nothing to be said for those that have those 30 and 40 year marks. However, the energy and the kind of right in the middle of everything, being in the midpoint of your career, I think is really imperative to be able to push through some of the innovative processes that we're going through right now, especially in terms of even today, right? Going through the social and pandemic kind of issues that our country is going through. Being in the crux of your career is is really something that's special. As far as the pathway to leadership you did ask me about, it's been a little unorthodox, I think. For me, I actually started on the administrative side and went into operations later. So if you look at resume and educational background, I actually did not start in transit at all. I actually started in as an editor with an English major as my background and community development a little later on. I actually worked as an editor for magazines and publications on the East Coast. And then I decided to go into urban planning for graduate studies because I looked at the world around me, especially in urbanized areas, and said, wait a minute, why are things the way they are? Someone has to be making these plans and why can't it be me? So I actually went into urban studies and had a focus on community development and then uh, started my career in the transportation field as a facilitator on the planning side. So it was really different. I never thought that I would be in this seat, (laughs) but it really is an amalgamation of everything that I have kind of learned to be able to change the landscape of urban areas and transportation really is the backbone of that. So I did start out in the administrative area of transit, And then I actually flip-flopped into operations second. Most people do the reverse because the aspiration sometimes is to get into more of a regulated schedule, 
get indoors, be able to have that field knowledge and utilize that in a more administrative capacity later on in your career life, so to speak. I actually found that it was beneficial for me to understand the administrative side, the budget, the numbers, the scheduling, the planning, and then be able to use that and flip it and go out into the field and really see if what I had written was working. And nine times out of 10, it's not. You've got to adjust it a little bit. And that gave me more of a appreciation, I think, for the work that our field employees are doing. And when I say field, those are just a a term that we usually use for those people that are public facing, that are operating the vehicles, maintaining the vehicles, and doing those kind of things that have more of the tactical experience. That is indeed an unusual career path and sounds like one that has been very rewarding for you. And it would be interesting to talk a little bit more about some of the leadership principles that you've picked up on the way. What has been consistent for you and in terms of how you've approached your work? I'd say as far as uh, leadership principles, I try to not ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. You hear that a lot, uh, I think, in, in good leaders. And to also understand that people want to be heard, right? To give people a, a platform and a format to be able to speak their mind respectfully and really take the time to listen, to also understand that the best ideas don't start with me. They also don't end with me. I think that I am here to work for my employees, right? I'm here to work for the community that I serve. So it really is servant leadership. I think that my responsibility is to make sure that we get the resources to get the job done. So if I've got an operational team that reports to me or administrative staff or whoever it is, and we've got a pilot project out there, I've got to figure out how to get the resources, whether that's funding, whether that's vehicles, whether that's community support or legislative understanding. That is my job. And that's my one mission to make sure that we have what we need to do the job. And then the rest really takes care of itself as long as you have the right people in the right position. So in many ways, you're the great facilitator. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It started out facilitating charrettes and community meetings. And really, this is just the same thing on on a larger scale. You're absolutely right. So when you're talking to stakeholders, when you're talking to business leaders, when you're talking to legislative bodies, actually, I want to say maybe two, three weeks ago at this point, I went down to Columbus. We're in Cleveland. And I went down to Columbus to testify in front of the House in in state leadership for the finance committee to talk about why it's so important to invest in transportation in lieu of all of the budget cuts that were proposed by by our governor. And it really was exactly what you're saying. It was a a testimony rooted in servant leadership and rooted in facilitation and making folks understand exactly what was going on in the transit industry, specifically in Cleveland and throughout the state of Ohio so that they understood what our plight was and could reconsider what the budgetary forecast looked like. And so that's really, I think, the the fun part about being the CEO and really being able to kind of embody the change that you want to see and also kind of push forward, getting people excited about it and being the biggest cheerleader for the agency. You've got to do it yourself. And then you can bring people on, you know, next to you. One other thing I will say for leadership principles, realizing that we're all different and we all have different strategies and different things we bring to the table. So we all don't have to have the same personality. I think that would be a little 
nuts if everybody thought like, you know, thought like me or spoke like me. I like to be able to try to recognize what my team is good at individually and then be able to kind of support whatever that is. And then also understand where they need assistance and how I can kind of help them through that to become a better manager or to become a better spokesperson or whatever it is so that they actually are leaving the industry when that time comes or leaving RTA, for example, when that time comes as a better manager than what they started. So I think that's definitely important. And that management can be across the board. You know, you manage the bus route. So if you're the bus operator, you you are the manager of that bus for the, for that ship. So it, it definitely transverses through the entire agency, I think. So you've mentioned some of your principles really are consistent in terms of embracing diverse viewpoints and recognizing diverse talent. So being very supportive as well when help is required as part of the team, being a good listener. I think you, you sort of mentioned that in the way that you work with your team as well and being of service. And I think servant leadership, and that's also something that you underscore that's really important to you. How do you pass that on to others as you're looking at those that are up and coming in the transit industry, looking to you as a role model, certainly? And I know that you have also played a, an important role in mentoring in your career as well. How do you pass that on and, and foster that future leadership? So that's a really good question. I would say that understanding how important it is to have a mentor, I can't say that it was always easy to find one as I was coming through the the industry and, and even now. I think that there's a lot of folks that can offer a lot of individualized, kind of specialized guidance and, and advice. I would not say sticking with one mentor is, is, is the way that I think is the way to go. I think you've got to kind of understand what you don't have, you know, know what you don't know, and then be able to seek out a subject matter expert in something you're not good at. And I think from there, you'll find a better path to sort of being guided in the right direction. You've always got to listen to your, your kind of your inner self, right? And your, your third eye, so to speak. You've got to kind of understand, you know, where you are and be realistic about that. As far as passing along to others and identifying future leaders, I think I'm still in that bracket. I don't put myself outside of that. <laughs> Again, like I said, I've got a lot of folks in the industry that have double and triple my amount of time. But I think the key is, is that you've got to respect other people's decisions and other people's point of view as if we're all veterans, right? Because at that point, you can't discredit someone based on their years of service. It really depends on their attitude and their outlook and the energy they put into the project. You can have someone who's been on board for 50 years and, and they're the laziest person you've ever worked with in your life. And then you can have the person who's an intern who's just gung-ho and ready to go. So I think that it really is, is in the work. I try to explain that to some of the interns and even mid-level folks that I work with and C-level as well to be able to rethink the way that they look at others, usually to understand that your perception of yourself is not usually the same perception as someone else has of you. So you've always got to kind of remember that and understand that your communication style has to be tweaked at some point. I'm a big believer in getting the work done and dedication to it. It's not 100% fail safe, right? I think we all make mistakes. But identifying folks who are not afraid to give credit where credit is due is important. I like to look at someone and say, okay, how dedicated are they to the project that they're on? How loyal are they to their team? 
Do they stand up for others when they know things are right or even wrong? Do they, you know, identify with those things and admit those things and try to solve it? When I see a leader or a potential leader who is not afraid to stand up for themselves and has a voice and they use it and they're looking for ways to enhance that voice, that's a person that I want to spend time with. That's the person that I say, okay, they've got the beginnings and the makings of a great professional leader. They understand that there's a work to be done. There's a subject matter that they have expertise on that they're willing to share. I also look for someone who is not afraid to learn new things. I come from a very long line of educators, hence the English background that I have, which probably drives my team nuts because I always have a red pen in my hand. I'm always thinking of how do you teach someone else what you know so that you can make space in your brain, right, for something new. I find that folks that hold on to that knowledge that they have without trying to let it go are usually the folks that are ready to retire. The folks that are willing to share that knowledge, teach someone else, and then understand they're going to gain something in return from whatever venue or whatever avenue are the folks that are the best and at the peak of their career, no matter what year it is. So as long as you're able to understand you have more coming to you and are willing to learn new things, I think the easier it becomes to mentor someone else because you like to pass along what you've learned so that you have space, right, to be able to take on something new. You talk about that passion for continuous learning, which which brings respect for what you can learn from others as well as some humility as well. And I think those are very important things that you, you've just brought to the table. And of course, dedication. And I wanted to turn on that point to turn perhaps a little bit to this past year. I mean, you came on board and uh, as a transit CEO, you have had to face some unprecedented challenges, both in terms of their scope and their scale. This past year, as, as anyone has had to in leadership, could you talk a little bit more about what that's meant for you in terms of leading your team, ensuring continuity of operations and planning in a safe and viable manner for your employees and your passengers, and also constantly meeting the changing needs of your community that became so so starkly visible, I think, this past year. We'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, this year has been absolutely unprecedented, at least in, in, in my lifetime, right, and a lot of our lifetimes. I think it really has presented a unique challenge for leadership and transportation specifically because we really are coming, in my opinion, from a place of a little bit of a, a dim light, right? I think all of a sudden the spotlight has been on us over the last 12 months or so to really question whether or not we are considered essential and whether or not our services are really deemed you know, on par with EMS and police and fire and all of these kind of things. And I think we found that the answer is emphatically yes. We are absolutely essential. And without us in public transit, it's really difficult to be able to get people first to where they need to go. Also to be able to look at the economic disparities that we have in the country as far as the service workers that are going on, right? So if you're looking at our ridership overall, we typically serve as an industry. We're very heavy on the low to mid-income rider. And those typically are dependent riders. I, I'm not really a fan of the dependent versus choice ridership you know, phenomenon as far as how we label our ridership. But if we're honest about it and we look at the definition of those two categories, 
the dependent rider is typically on the lower end of the economic scale. And when you look at the jobs that are across the nation, a lot of those essential workers are the waitresses, the waiters, the teachers, the police force, some of the social services workers, the grocery store clerks. I mean, you're looking at a lot of the folks that take our service and they are dependent riders or close to it. And when you take away their mobility options, you end up actually affecting the rest of the country and the rest of the economic stratosphere that depends on these essential workers to actually do their job every day. And in fact, it's not so much that people are just joyriding transportation. They're actually trying to serve the needs of the remainder of the country, including their portion. So to answer your question, I think challenges that we've had to face are really kind of explaining to the rest of the country, because we know we're, we're essential, right? The ones that come to work every day in transportation. So it's not that we have to convince ourselves, but I think we have to, we had to find our voice. And we had to be able to talk about it in a way where we're the subject matter experts. We have the data. We have the actual aptitude to think outside the box and think innovation-wise, what can we do to push the needle? We cannot be sedentary. We can't be traditionalists. We have to think a little bit more on the innovation side and the technology side. Hence today, right? I have no idea where you are, but I'm looking at you on a screen. Am I also talking to you through a microphone as if we're sitting five feet away from each other? So I really think that this is something that transportation has had a unique opportunity to play that role as an essential service and also make sure that we're doing it in a safe manner. So here in Cleveland, we've done a lot of things over the last 12 months to make sure that we continued in that. We actually have used the CARES Act funding money that we had received to do a lot of things that we never expected we'd have to do and things that were not planned. So we had barriers that were put on. We probably are on our third or fourth iteration of that to be able to protect our operators and the writing public. We also had innovative solutions to tackle the disinfecting and cleaning. So we actually sought out what's going on on the aircraft you know, in aviation, what's happening in the hospitals. How can transportation in Cleveland be just as effective and just as safe? And what are they using in those areas that we can emulate here, right? So we're looking at UV ray technology for disinfecting. We've purchased moonbeams and all of this kind of thing that we never thought we would. We also have come up with different protocol for folks that are coming out of the workforce temporarily for quarantine or having to take care of loved ones or, or whatever's going on. We also have looked at our service levels and honestly took a real look and said, hey, what is the bare minimum that we can do? And we found that it's really close to our normal schedule. We've got to be able to keep people employed. We've got to be able to work through the pandemic, hopefully without any furloughs, without any layoffs, and keep people tied to their health care. The last thing I always say that I want to do is tell someone you no longer have access to healthcare through your job because we've got to lay you off and we're in the middle of a health pandemic. So we've done everything we can and, and knock on wood, we uh, do not have any of those in the foreseeable future at RTA. It's very interesting. And I'll say just on a, a personal note, I have had a, a child during a pandemic. That's something that's very interesting as well. And I actually am pretty close to our second. So this is very 
personal for me. It's something that we have to make sure that we're protecting life, you know, as we go through our daily operations. So it's a, it's a great team, but we have to take it seriously. And if we don't, you can find somewhere else to work. <laughs> no, it sounds like it, it certainly the the need to be adaptable and and innovative has has really been pushed to the limit in this past year for transit. And I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that and talk a little bit about your stakeholder relationships in your community and how you've leveraged those as well as you've moved forward. But before we do that, let me just take a moment for a short break, and then we will continue our conversation. Did you know that APTA conducts peer reviews for its members on a broad range of issues such as operations, safety, organizational efficiency, and more? Even in the COVID-19 era, our peer review program is able to assist by offering virtual options Visit APTA.com and learn more about this valuable member resource. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Transit Authority. My name is Petra Millette, and I am joined by India Birdsong. She is the CEO and General Manager of the Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority, RTA. Right before the break, we were talking to India about this unprecedented year and some of the challenges that she has faced with her agency as well as some of the opportunities. And I'd like to talk a little bit more, India, with you about those opportunities. And one of them is the stakeholder relationships that you have in your community and the opportunity to work this past year with some stakeholders that may not traditionally have been your stakeholders and really underscore the essential role of transit in your community. So I'd like you to talk a little bit more about some of the exciting partnerships that have been created this year in your community. Sure. Now, that's a really good question. I'd be happy to talk about that. This year has been, as we discussed, definitely unprecedented, but I think it's created a really unique opportunity for us at RTA and really the entire industry to think outside of the box, right? And to also think about those individuals that also need to continue working in in light of everything that's going on or in spite of everything that's going on. I'll give you a good example. So in the beginning of the pandemic, public transit was not specifically prioritized as an essential service right off the bat when it came to PPE distribution and RTA was, was no different. So while we struggled to think about how do we get the PPE we need, right? And kind of wait in line behind the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses, which is totally acceptable. We understand that, but we still have to get people to work and we have to do so safely. So we started to really think outside the box procurement wise. And we said, okay, what happens with the tailor shops? What happens with the dry cleaners? What happens with the sewing you know, uh, mechanisms in our community? And even folks that just like to be able to do it on the side, to think about how they could help us reach our goal while we were waiting in the chow line, so to speak, for those PPE to be delivered, you know, months after you've put in your order. And so we started to think about those individuals that still need to be able to put food on their table and still need to keep their doors open somehow that might be able to partner with us and get the job done. So we started to think about what we had wiggle room for, you know, still within reason, still federally approved, but be able to think with those community partners on how to partner through the crisis. We also thought about flexibility within our own teams, with our own ranks, and flexed people's job descriptions. You know, we had upholsters actually working on mask 
sewing for weeks at a time to get us where we needed to be. We also thought about distributors of plastics and what could be made for barriers and working with some West Coast vendors that might have normally worked on, you know, vinyl sunroofs for convertibles, but now could actually create that same product to create a barrier for our buses. We actually thought through workforce development programs. And we found that a lot of folks in the city were looking for alternate employment opportunities. Maybe they had been laid off. Maybe their businesses closed their doors. And again, they still need to put food on the table, but we're turning to RTA for a different sort of career. We actually have almost a, <laughs> a come work for RTA video, right, that we started to put together virtually to explain all of the different career paths that RTA had available to the community. And it showcased the bus operator who was previously in the banking industry and all of a sudden switched career paths due to pandemic or, or right before pandemic. And, and those are the really, I think, nuggets, golden nuggets of information that we just ran with. So we've got some MOUs in place with some of our community colleges to think about how we can partner on workforce development projects together, cross-train people that need you know, commercial driver's licenses and, and all of these endorsements to be able to operate, and also think about our service model. How are we actually becoming more innovative in spite of everything that's going on. So we actually have a, a couple mobility task force teams going on. We actually have just, we're in the process of unveiling a pilot program for it's a local match for first mile, last mile sort of uh, mobility solutions, whereby we will actually work with folks that are interested in that kind of process to determine how to change the um, public transit genre, right? So we've got some folks, manufacturing sites are opening up in different locations. People are kind of having this mass exodus of downtown while the pandemic is going on. Some are trying to come back. How do we always change our service to be able to meet the needs of, of a changing workforce? So we're doing a lot of things that I think are not just getting an award at the end of the year. We're not just going to a banquet. Those things are great, but we have to think about what do we do in the interim? And we're thinking about ways to actually navigate through the pandemic as a community with RTA kind of being at the table of the, uh, the thought leadership. So those are just a few of the things that we've done. But stakeholder relationships are, are absolutely important. You've got to kind of go through the fire together in order to expect the relationship to be intact afterwards. So we're putting in our work now. Those are some very exciting initiatives. And I know there's a, something else that I saw in the press this week is, is the partnership that you have locally as well to get people to vaccination sites. Could you talk a little bit more about that? We unveiled it yesterday, I believe, through a press release. And today, I'm actually, my phone is, is kind of blinking at me <laughs> while I'm talking because our operational team is, uh, this is their first day of operations for that. So we're all kind of trying to figure out how it's going and, and so far, so good. We actually were approached by one of our board members maybe a month ago to ask us, how can we support the vaccination sort of effort in Cleveland? And would it be possible to think about providing ridership or free rides to those folks that are going for vaccines? And at that point, it was kind of new. People were starting to get vaccinated, but not as, as frequently as they are now. And we had been thinking the same thing. So we said, yeah, actually, we were thinking about that. Let's put a little bit more brain power to it. And uh, we actually started out intending to just offer free transit to paratransit riders because it's a little bit easier to start out with and you can kind of 
track the ridership and, and figure out the cost model for that. And the operational model is, is, a, is a little smaller. So we were already headway into that. And then we started to get information about the Woolstein Center through Cleveland State University that's actually utilizing it as like one of the mega sites, I guess, if you want to say the super sites for vaccination. And we thought that would be a great opportunity to be able to serve that area. And we were starting to get questions from our community saying, hey, what are you guys doing? And then also we, we were working with the county to figure out how we could support providing rides to people that were going for different areas in the community for different sites, right? They're all over the place. You can go to CVS, Walgreens, all these different places. So we have these three areas of interest and then comes along an opportunity to apply for a uh, Ohio Department of Transportation ODOT grant and to support vaccination transportation. So we actually put together an application for that. We worked with local legislators and also local community members and stakeholders to be able to do all three. So we ended up with a program that will span eight weeks that is basically from today through the beginning of May that will allow us to be able to do all three. So we're offering all-day passes for free transit through the county for those that are actually looking to travel to vaccination sites to get vaccinated. We are also providing shuttle service on our RTA vehicles. We've gotten FTA approval for that for this particular instance from the Woolston Center to park and ride locations, parking lots, so that folks can have a safe kind of shuttle experience to that vaccination site. And then we're also providing free transit rides on paratransit to our most vulnerable customers through paratransit who are going to get vaccinated as well. And they would, of course, make an appointment like you normally would on paratransit. So we're doing all three of those things. We're really excited about it. Today is day one of operations, and we'll be tracking to see what our ridership comes out in all three of those venues. And we couldn't be more proud to be able to really serve the community through that kind of effort. So that's an example, I think, of being part of the leadership of the community and not just the company that pushes the bus and the train down the street. Uh, That is truly exciting and sounds very much in line with providing equitable access to very important services in the community, uh, which brings me to a theme that has been part of, uh, of, of some of the things you've mentioned throughout, which is this, this notion of equity and, and how important, perhaps even more so this year, how important transit is to ensuring that everyone in a community has that equitable access, has to jobs, to services through a safe form of transportation. Could you talk a little bit more about what that it means to you as you look forward in terms of planning RTA's future and really addressing the the needs of a community in a way that perhaps overcomes some of the systemic inequities that exist and that have become much more starkly uh, focused this this past year. Sure. So systemic inequity it's a disease I think that sort of plagues the the country right now. I do think that it's a good time to talk about it. I think that. It's an unfortunate circumstance that has been swept under the rug that is now kind of out, right, in the open, which can be very healing. I think that diversity and inclusion are tenets of business that have to be accepted and have to be present at all times in order to really connect with the customer base that you you have or that you want to have, especially when you're dealing in public services. 
So for public transit to not have an opinion on that would, would be almost impossible, I think, in any area, whether it's rural or urban. And I think that in our organization and community here in Cleveland, Greater Cleveland is really attached to the idea and the notion of discussing these items. I don't think that it's anything that's a secret here in Cleveland. I do come from the Midwest, from Chicago, you know, by birth. I've lived in a lot of different areas, specifically on the East Coast and and in the South. And I really think that a lot of these items that are coming to light now have been festering for decades, right? If not hundreds of years, but we have a unique opportunity now to really right some of the wrongs that are, are sort of inherited from generation to generation as far as it goes, you know, as far as racism, discrimination, inequality or inequity or inaccessibility. A lot of these things are done subconsciously. I don't necessarily think that it's something that we can't emerge from. And I think transportation is a quick way to talk about righting some of those wrongs because accessibility really, I think, is the key to the success of of any community. You've got to be able to have access to job opportunities, to educational opportunities, to spiritual and religious organizations and in buildings. You've got to be able to have access to grocery stores, to banking, I mean, to anything you can think of. And, and just being able to talk about having that access and not having that access and the reasons why you may or may not have it are important to our current generation, especially since things are happening virtually. It causes the, the generational gap to even be wider, right? Because the way that our children are growing up now is not necessarily the way that our parents and grandparents grew up. So in order for transportation to serve as that unifier and that kind of that, that binding agent between different economic classes of the community and those folks that are trying to climb the career ladder or the educational ladder or whatever it is, is really important. We've got to make sure that everyone has access to it if they so choose to use it. And therefore, you're not stagnated and trapped in a certain you know, radius whereby you don't have the, the edge to compete when it comes to looking for jobs, looking for educational opportunities or other things. I think that this work is absolutely important. I'm glad that I'm in this industry right now. And I would say the industry as a whole has an opportunity to really push forward. And and I hope we're doing that here in Cleveland. It certainly sounds like you are. And I'm uh, excited to keep following all of the innovations that you're putting in place and how uh, how you are playing that role as, as a unifier and a binding agent for the community. I love that phrase. So I think we are getting close to uh, closing time here, India. So I wanted to ask you one last question, really based on what you were just talking about. As you look forward, knowing that we will certainly come out of this pandemic and, and perhaps all come out of this much stronger what are you most hopeful about for the future of RTA and, and for the Cleveland community that you serve? I think I'm most hopeful about culture change, to be very honest with you. I think that out of this pandemic, we will hopefully be closer as a community and more respectful of the work that folks do, even though it may not be overtly glamorous. I think that we have a greater appreciation for the invisible work, so to speak, right? I'm doing the air quote (laughs) around invisible. I think that we have an opportunity to emerge from this closer, even though that we're all six feet apart than we were before. 
And I also look forward to the innovation that comes out of this. I really think that the generation that's coming up, and I'll include myself in that, in public transit has all the tools in the world at their disposal if we just use them the right way. And if we have a unified message that we will be in a better position post-pandemic and even just, you know, post-2021 to be able to prove to the country and, and really the world that public transit is one of those seats that have to be at the at the table when decisions are made as far as our well-being as a nation. So I'm, I'm very, very hopeful about the innovation and just the overall culture change and the mental shift that goes into any, you know, catastrophic sort of situation that we all come out better for it. Well, thank you very much for what for certainly was for me uh, really a, a very inspiring conversation, and I'm sure it was for our audience as well. So just really want to say it was a pleasure to speak with you today, India, and uh, I really just want to thank you for taking the time to be our guest. And, uh, and I look forward to many more opportunities to talk with you personally, hopefully in person in this coming year. And uh, just want to thank all of our listeners today also for tuning in to this episode of the Transit Authority, which is APTA's official podcast. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing all of you in person at some point as well, but really appreciate the opportunity to connect like this virtually as well. Thank you very much and have a great day. <laughs>